0: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show Podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. Glad to have you with me wherever you are. I hope you've got better skies around here. We haven't seen the sun in days in middle Georgia. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. So we have to begin with Joe Biden today. We're going to get to the Republicans but Joe Biden, well he's he's done it again. This is Biden on the campaign trail.
1: When I was vice president, I flew over a million miles on Air Force 2. And I was uh, going home as the United States uh, as vice president, and one of the conductors said to me, "Hey Joe, big deal. A million whatever, 200 you said you've oh, you've traveled over a million miles on Amtrak. I said, How the hell do you know that?" And they added it up at their
0: But folks look It's not true. He's told this story before, and yet again, it's not true. He said they gave him a key to a car on Amtrak. It's not true. He has told the story before. It has been walked back before. It has been debunked before, and yet he's out there now telling us this sort of story. How can you believe anything he says when you say the economy is recovering or not? This is one of Joe Biden's fundamental problems. The other problem Joe Biden has, another fundamental problem Joe Biden has, is that uh, you've got Kamala Harris campaigning by his side. The Washington Post has been interviewing Democrats in swing states, including here where I am in Georgia. They've been interviewing him in South Carolina, in Ohio in New Hampshire, in Florida, the swing states that will matter. And there is not a lot of confidence in Kamala Harris. In fact, a Democratic Party uh, operative in South Carolina said uh, he's worked his whole life to pave the groundwork for a female non-white president of the United States. And he doesn't think Kamala Harris has what it takes. Elizabeth Warren was on television this weekend, and she had to, well, clarify herself the next day. She was asked on CNN or wherever she was, I think it was CNN, about the ticket. And she said she looks forward to supporting Joe Biden in 2024. And they asked her, what about Kamala Harris? And she gave this muddied response that Joe Biden would have to chart his way forward and and decide his ticket, which suggested it was not a vote of confidence in Kamala Harris. That was not a vote of confidence in Kamala Harris. The next day, she had to walk it back. The next day, Elizabeth Warren had to release a statement and say, well, we support, we support Joe Biden and Kamala Harris 2024. You could have said that that day on television, but you did not. Why? Because she doesn't. There's all of this rumbling about Gavin Newsom right now. What if Gavin Newsom is not running to be president, but running to be vice president? You know, if Joe Biden were to actually run for the second term and or to make it through the second term, he'd be 86 years old. You're banking on an 80-something and a high-stress job. Maybe Newsom wants to be vice president, and unlike Kamala, he'll be the one to put the roller skates on the steps of the White House. He's deeply ambitious, clearly more ambitious than, than Kamala, who after her ambitions with Willie Brown decided to move on. Here's the problem. Uh, Joe Biden wants to run for president of the United States for a second term. It's his right to run for a second term, should he wish to run a second term. The problem is that Joe Biden running for a second term puts him over 80 years old, oldest man to serve the presidency. Uh, There have already been these mutterings about the problems with Joe Biden and his memory and his stamina. In fact, I was told before the election that assuming the election went bad for the Democrats, which everyone thought, uh, you would see the New York Times and others start doing these stories about Joe Biden. It appears those stories are still now coming. I thought they had decided to pull them because Joe Biden had a pretty good midterm election. But nope, it appears the stories are still coming. The stories will be there. The stories are going to be about how maybe, maybe Joe Biden really does need to be one term. Maybe we really didn't have this good thing, but but maybe, just maybe, he might be too old. And now they're beginning to sabotage Kamala Harris in the process. But Joe Biden is planning his re-election. He is planning to surround himself with a team. And in that team, they've come up with a strategy. This is MJ Lee from CNN. So you have some brand new reporting, as I understand, on the
2: current president is going to focus on GOP extremism as he nears an announcement to run in 2024, what are the implications here? Well, John, basically, if you take a look at President Biden's travels, his speeches, his events over the last few weeks, you get a pretty clear roadmap of not only his State of the, State of the Union speech uh, coming up next week, but also for his 2024 uh, reelect pitch. You know, uh, you look at how his schedule has been crafted and White House officials will say there are several things that they really want him to do uh, to the economic progress from the last two years, for example. That's something that has been really important to him, uh, really focus on the implementation of the legislation passed over the last two years and a big big part of this is also just the political messaging and trying to paint house republicans as extremists and lawmakers who are going to undo some of that economic progress so i uh, expect to see more of that coming from the president particularly as we head into next week and that big speech tuesday night
0: that big speech tuesday night that comes up where he will certainly drop strong hints of his future, um, here, here's what's here's what's happening. They looked at 2022 where they thought it was going to be a disaster. And 2022 turned out not to be the disaster. Everyone, including the Democrats thought it was going to be. In large part, the voter analysis showed it was uh, Republican voters, 13% of them could not stomach voting for the election deniers and the hardcore Trump voters or the hardcore Trump candidates. You had independent voters, moderate voters broke for the Democrats the first time they've broken for the incumbent party in a midterm since George W. Bush in 2002. So the Democrats have decided, ah, we can do this again. We can do the same playbook. The Democrats have decided they can paint the GOP as extremists and they will undoubtedly help themselves with George Santos, Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, and, and uh, Matt Gates and, and the like and the House of Representatives and use them as indicative of the Republican Party as a whole. And they will package Joe Biden's entire reelection on you stopped them once you got to stop them again. There is a fundamental flaw in this program, however, there is a fundamental flaw in this plan joe biden will not be running against republicans in 2024 joe biden will be running against a single republican in 2024 he won't have the house of representatives to run against he will have a candidate And so what he will try to do is paint that candidate as tied to the House Republicans, beholden to the House Republicans, doing the House Republicans bidding. How does it work if it's not Trump, though? This is their problem in mapping out this course and in deciding that they're going to run against extremist Republicans. If you have a candidate who is not Trump, who has faced Donald Trump in the primary, who beats Donald Trump in the primary, it suddenly, based on the media's pre-existing narrative, appears to be a repudiation of the things of Trump. So Joe Biden, then trying to run on the extremism of the Republican Party, faces a nominee who beat Donald Trump in a primary, who is therefore not as extreme as Donald Trump. Although you and I know they will suddenly say, oh my gosh, the GOP so extreme, they got this DeSantis guy or Nikki Haley or who Mike Pence who's more extreme than Donald Trump. We didn't think we did not think it could become more extreme than Donald Trump but apparently you know Nikki Haley is more extreme than Donald Trump the the woman who did not serve out all four years of Donald Trump's term uh, left early she's she left because Donald Trump wasn't extreme enough for her. This is the sort of attack they will the American people aren't going to believe this. The Democrats and the media have built Donald Trump and his Republican party up as the greatest existential threat in modern American history. If the Republicans choose not to go with Donald Trump in 2024, the Republicans themselves will have upended the Democrats' narrative. If the Republicans upend the Democrats' narrative, the Democrats and the media will be left to scramble to claim in some capacity that this new person is far worse than Donald Trump and who really outside the rabbit fringes of the Democratic Party are going to believe that, particularly when undoubtedly you will have Donald Trump out there suggesting he might run as a third-party candidate to disrupt everything, to ruin everything, to destroy whoever it is who beat him? It's really hard to run against extremist Republicans when the guy you're running against possibly is not Donald Trump and therefore would have beat him in a primary. But that's their playbook because it's the one they know, because it's the one they're familiar with. When you have a doddering old fool who's over 80 years old, you give him what he's familiar with. And he's familiar with running the playbook that these other people are too extreme. The larger issue here, though, are the, these elected baby boomers who just can't let go. If you're a baby boomer listening to me and you are not an elected official, I'm not talking about you. God bless you for your tenure, wherever you were, helping your company, helping your family, helping your business, helping your country grow. For some reason, though, there is the strain of baby boomer who gets himself elected to high office and cannot let go of the levers of power. Unlike the baby boomers you encounter when they greet you at Walmart or who are taking care of their grandkids or having a few drinks on the golf course, smoking cigars, telling great stories or going back to their businesses as consultants to help them grow. These baby boomers, they stand there and say, look at me, I have power and they won't let it go. They won't. They won't step aside for Gen X. They won't step aside from Linos. They won't step aside for anyone. They are convinced that they and they alone are the indispensable party, and that none of us can move beyond them. Whether it's Trump or whether it's 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 Biden, these guys have decided that they alone are the ones who can fix the country. When they and their generation, if we're honest about it, are the ones who gave us runaway debt, runaway inflation, runaway hippies, runaway you name the problem. The baby boomers are the ones who presided over the country and gave us all of these problems we now deal with and still you've got Joe Biden and Donald Trump both saying we can't let go of power we must be the ones to fix the problem we created we can't give it to a new generation with new ideas and that ultimately is Joe Biden's problem that ultimately is Donald Trump's problem but the incumbent president of the United States if he runs again running against supposed extremist Republicans and suddenly faces a Republican who is not named Donald Trump, who beat Donald Trump in the primary. Suddenly it becomes a very compelling argument of, do we go forward or do we stay in the past? Do we get past the boomers and move our country into the future? And if it's a past versus versus future argument, if it's a present versus future argument, Biden can scream extremism all he wants, but he'll be the guy who mixes up his stories on stage and gets confused as to the exit off the stage versus a more youthful, charismatic personality. They may, the Democrats just may, as they're planning his 2024 path forward, ponder those things. The weather outside might be frightful, but in your bed, you've got super soft bowl and branch sheets to sleep under. They'll keep you comfortable. They're just the perfect weight. Summer, winter, fall, spring, the perfect weight. And they get softer every wash. And right now, with the weather so cold outside, you want to just be snuggled up inside. They're the perfect sheets under which you and your loved one can snuggle. And right now, you can get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC at bowlandbranch.com. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L and branch.com. the promo code is Eric E-R-I-C-K Bull & Branch sheets are the perfect 100% organic cotton threads that gets softer every wash. Not only do they get softer every wash, but they the drape across your body is just perfect. I really enjoy mine. We've got them now on multiple beds in the house. We've just kept buying them because they're so soft. And every wash, they get softer. And right now, get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BowlinBranch.com. That's BolandBranch B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com, the promo code ERIC. So I, I've got I, I to gotta just take a personal moment here and congratulate my friend Vince Longo, who has won the 2022 Home Builder of the Year Award in Atlanta. One day he's going to build my house for me. Uh, we're not there yet financially to be able to do that, let alone buy the land. But one day he will. And now it's good to know he's actually qualified to be able to do it. <laughs> um, I, okay, speaking of Georgia. Have you guys heard this, the Democratic Party wants to have the Democratic National Convention for 2024 in the city of Atlanta, Georgia? Think about that for a moment. For the last two years, nationally, Democrats have attacked Georgia for being oppressive, racist, engaged in voter suppression, uh, misogynistic in in its um, uh, life and abortion laws, uh, dangerous in its pervasive gun culture, and now they want to bring their convention to Georgia. I mean, all of the things they have told us for so long they, they now suddenly want to embrace Georgia, so they, they boycotted the state and the baseball all-star game because of a supposed voter law that was going to harm people. And by the way, a University of Georgia survey found 0% of black people who felt negatively impacted by the law. Think about that. Particularly those of you who are listening right now who might happen to be journalists, think about this. If you're black and you're a Democrat listening to my program, and I know some of you are because you call in, Just think about this for a minute. You all bought into the belief that this law was burdensome and would cause voter suppression and cause all sorts of problems. The University of Georgia, not exactly a paragon of conservative wisdom or an institution of the right, went out and surveyed people and found exactly zero black voters in Georgia who had a problem voting or felt the law did not work. 0% had problems. There was no voter suppression, according to this survey. But yet, Georgia was punished by Major League Baseball after Stacey Abrams asked for a boycott. And when they passed their pro-life legislation, Democrats said they'd never come to the state again. I was walking down the street here by my office. They're filming a movie. It's a movie about the civil rights era and the assassination of Dr. King. Uh, I thought it was Netflix, but my daughter told me it was Disney. Uh, They're filming right outside my office. Yesterday, they were firing smoke canisters to make it look like tear gas from the civil rights protests. All those Hollywood actors who said they would never come back to Georgia because of the fetal heartbeat law. They're here. They're here. They're working. They said if the law went into effect, they wouldn't. The law is in effect, and they're here. They said that in Georgia, you would die. You would walk down the street and get shot because of concealed carry laws that Governor Kemp and the legislature in Georgia signed into place. I walked down the street and I lived. I survived. It was a miracle. I took my life into my own hands and I survived. And now the place is so terrible, it's such a third-world hellhole where nobody can vote, nobody can walk down the street without dying, and no woman is safe without being hauled in forcibly impregnated and held down for nine months until they give birth. The Democrats want to bring their convention to the state of Georgia. Maybe the national narrative got it wrong. Maybe the national narrative didn't work out. Maybe, just maybe. They were all full of bull to begin with. They whipped people into frenzy. They dare I say it lied. They lied. They lied and people believed it. And some of you listening right now are probably some of the people who believed it and you can't let go of the belief. You can't admit they lied. You can't admit you were such an idiot. You believed the lies. And now they, 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 this place is so terrible. They want to bring the Democratic National Convention. I actually hope that Biden doesn't do this because I don't want to put up with traffic that week. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to put up with the nonsense that would come with the Democratic National Convention in Georgia. Uh, if anything, though, it might actually convince the state to keep voting Republican if they do come here, because you know Democrats can't have a convention without riots. So. Uh, It would be fun to see. What about the Republicans, though? When we come back, let's discuss where the Republicans are headed now that we know where Biden is headed. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Occasionally, occasionally, someone sends me a text through the show, and I'm now programmed out of great discipline because I get distracted very easily when friends text me during the show. I, I now have it set so I cannot see the text until I go to commercial break because otherwise I'll get distracted. And unfortunately, my buddy Eric texted me and he has a great idea. And I wish I had seen his text message during the last segment. If you are just tuning in, the Democrats are considering moving their convention for 2024 to Atlanta, Georgia. That's right. Uh, they're, They're thinking the state that deprived people of the right to vote and forced women to have babies, that should be where they take the convention. My buddy Eric has a brilliant idea. If the Democrats decide to bring their 2024 convention to Atlanta, Georgia, the perfect venue is not the Mercedes Benz Stadium. It's not the teepee where the Braves play. No, my friends, no, 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 no. If the Democrats come to Atlanta, they should have their convention at Cop City. Yes, where the Antifa people have booby-trapped all the trees, it's their voters. Uh, they've agitated for these people go hang out in the wilderness of south atlanta at supposed, so called cop city with all the antifa kids who will be voting for him anyway i mean they might as well the solidarity brother go go hang out with the kids there and and maybe you can can hang a hammock in a tree uh, you can hang out there and and joe biden can tell you stories of of his days Roaming the woods with corn pop or some such. It'd be the perfect venue for the Democrats. is Cop City, the, the, the wilderness that will be the police training area where Antifa already is. I mean, they've already got their base activists there. Their, their Democratic National Army is already stationed. there, waiting for them. Now, uh, what about the Republicans? We should consider that. Ron DeSantis is being attacked by Donald Trump. And he was asked about these attacks from President Trump earlier today. Uh, And let me just play you. This is the governor of the state of Florida talking about being attacked by Trump.
2: This, um, I roll out of bed. I have people attacking me from all angles. It's been happening for many, many years. And if you look at the good thing about it, though, is like if you take a crisis situation like COVID, you know, the good thing about it is when you're an elected executive, You have to make all kinds of decisions. You got to steer that ship. And the good thing is, is that the people are able to render a judgment on that, whether they reelect you or not. And I'm happy to say, you know, in my case, not only did we win reelection, we won with the highest percentage of the vote that any Republican governor candidate has in the history of the state of Florida. We won by the largest raw vote margin, over 1.5 million votes than any uh, governor candidate has ever had in Florida history. And in fact, we almost doubled the previous record, which I think was like 780,000 vote margin. And so what I would just say is uh, that verdict has been rendered by the people of the state of Florida.
0: There you have it. Uh, Also, Donald Trump voted for him. So keep that in mind as Donald Trump attacks him. Uh, One more bit of audio I want to play for you real quick. Uh, This is from Vaughn Hilliard at MSNBC. Who is uh, with one of the hosts talking about how Republican voters are looking for 2024?
1: Right, and before you go further about the short straw, I am somebody who actually enjoys the campaign trail, and let's be very clear here for I folks that are like, are I we seriously just talking saying, about this, You Hallie? have to talk
2: with me. I know people <laughs> right. are. These people are asking that. I'm not and, looking and at my Twitter folks, mentions. And for folks All that right. are saying,
1: why are we starting so early? Take into context four years ago, Hallie, there were already ten <laughs> I Democrats know. running for president on. This date four years ago. And right now what? when we're talking about pessimism at an all time high, guess what? We got one presidential candidate and his name is Donald Trump. It's not even Joe Biden. There's nobody else running. And so that's where the question comes into play is who is next? Is anybody gonna get out there? Because look what Donald Trump did this weekend. He went to New Hampshire. He went to the New Hampshire GOP's annual meeting where he talked to the top activists around the state. He announced that the outgoing New Hampshire GOP chair is becoming his senior advisor in the state. Then he came here to the South Carolina State House, where inside the state house, he stood alongside three of the six GOP members of the U.S. House who endorsed him, as well as the sitting governor here, Henry McMaster, as well as the senior senator, Lindsey Graham, who endorsed him here. So Donald Trump is laying a foundation and really the putting on the onus on these other potential Republican contenders to get into the race or else he's going to eat up some of this early support here. I want to let you hear from some of the voters we talked to over the weekend. Take a listen.
0: I like DeSantis, you know, I like DeSantis, but I just don't think that he's cultured enough as far as business dealings around the world. What would be ideal would be Donald
1: DeSantis ticket. That would be fantastic. Why not Tim Scott or Nikki Haley? We love Tim Scott and Nikki Haley, but he has been proven to be the best president that we've
2: ever had besides Ronald Reagan.
1: And Halley, all of us here have now done this now long enough to know that the opinions of those folks you just heard from could very well change when the South Carolina primary comes around. That's why we took down their phone numbers and we will be tracking the sentiments of these Republican primary voters when others actually jump into the race.
0: Yeah. You know, this is really an important point to understand here. Four years ago, we're, we're now, and I do need to timestamp this. It's January 31st, 2023. On January 31st, 2019, there were already 10 Democrats running for president of the United States. In January of 20, January 31st of 2015, I think there were already five announced Republicans for president. We're now January 31st, 2024, and there's thus far only one person who has announced he's running for president of the United States, and it's not Joe Biden, it's Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the only person of either party to come out thus far and make clear he's running for the presidency in 2024. Uh, Which is is somewhat unusual. I mean, again, you you may think it's ridiculous to start talking about this right now. But four years ago, you already had 10 candidates on the Democratic side. Uh, Eight years ago, you already had five, four or five candidates on the Republican side, not including Donald Trump. It's about time for these people to start engaging Nikki Haley is starting to make sounds like she's going to run for president of the United States. As I mentioned, she apparently already reached out to Donald Trump and told him that she would be making a decision. He mentioned their phone call, uh, said, uh, pointed out she had said she wouldn't run if he was in the race, and now she's thinking of running, uh, suggesting the level of hypocrisy on her by him. Uh, I think she should run. And then there's this, Tim Scott. Is headed to Iowa. The senator from South Carolina next month is going to Iowa to kick off possibly a presidential campaign. He's the only black Republican in the Senate. He's going to Polk County. as a Republican Party Lincoln dinner on February 22nd. That's in, in the Des Moines area. West Des Moines is where this will be. And, of course, he's got a book coming out, and or just had a book come out, And it's fueling speculation that Tim Scott will run for president of the United States. Now, you heard these South Carolina voters uh, with Von Hilliard say they love Nikki Haley, they love Tim Scott, but uh, they want Donald Trump. And to his point, this could change. They wrote down their phone numbers to talk. We're dealing with hypothetical candidates versus Donald Trump. I have seen this happen every single presidential campaign cycle where one candidate kind of reigns supreme because all the other candidates are hypothetical. And when one of those candidates goes from being a hypothetical to actually running, suddenly the polling shifts around. It is absolutely 100% true that there is a large contingent of the Republican base of a certain age, and you heard those voices, that want Donald Trump again, that can't imagine anyone else. And to Donald Trump's benefit, those tend to be the voters most likely to vote in a Republican primary. So you have the voters most likely to vote in a Republican primary being older voters who are most likely to want Donald Trump to run again. These other candidates will have to try to get younger voters in. They will have to get younger voters uh, to show up and vote. It may be easy in a place like Iowa, uh, where Trump lost to Ted Cruz Uh, in 2016 to be able to get people to go caucus in Iowa. But a lot of times the person who wins Iowa loses unless they also win New Hampshire. Donald Trump, you will recall, lost Iowa, jumped into New Hampshire, and then into South Carolina. He won those and had renewed momentum to be able to go forward, even as it was a slog the whole way through for him. If you get to 2024 and he loses Iowa to someone else, well, then that suggests that someone else has a better ground game organization, but you still got to look out for New Hampshire and South Carolina and see what happens. There is multiple polling, conflicting polling out there, but the trend lines are good for DeSantis and for Trump. Some of the polls nationally continue to have Donald Trump ahead of Ron DeSantis, even as Ron DeSantis is just a hypothetical candidate. But also you look at the internal polling of these states, DeSantis would win in Florida, DeSantis would win in Georgia, DeSantis would win in North Carolina, DeSantis would win in South Carolina, DeSantis would win in New Hampshire. You look at those, Iowa becomes less relevant. If that polling holds up, though, and there again is the issue. We're talking about a hypothetical candidate a year from the Iowa caucus. We're already having to talk about it because typically we have candidates right now who are in. Uh, DeSantis is slowly building up a team. And I will tell you this. Allow me to pull back the curtain. People outside of the DeSantis direct realm but who are pro-DeSantis they're already beginning the pushback on Donald Trump. So those of us in the conservative media space, we are being engaged by people sympathetic to DeSantis. And we are engaged by those people to point out not to attack Donald Trump, but to just point out DeSantis's record to make us familiar with it. So for example, When Donald Trump says Ron DeSantis closed beaches in Florida, we have the actual documentation to show actually Ron DeSantis did not close beaches in Florida. Local governments did in Miami-Dade and in Fort Lauderdale, in uh, Jacksonville. Local governments did and DeSantis pushed back against them, telling them it was anti-science to close beaches because the data showed that COVID did not spread well outside on the beach. And he was able to get some of them to reverse themselves. We're starting to see battle lines being drawn on the right. Donald Trump is unquestionably the front runner for the Republican nomination. But we're seeing Mike Pence tour the country. We're seeing Tim Scott begin to tour the country. We're seeing Nikki Haley boost her media profile. And we're seeing Ron DeSantis be out front governing with wins in Florida. And I don't know on DeSantis's front, whether it matters so much that he's going to Iowa and New Hampshire as it is he's on camera with relevant issues almost every day rebutting things that both Donald Trump and Joe Biden have done or said in the past, and he's putting points on the board. He's kind of distinguishing himself in that way. I mean, when you look at it, Tim Scott, if he runs, God bless him, he's a U.S. senator. There are some things he can do, but not a lot in the minority. Nikki Haley is not in government right now. Neither is Mike Pompeo, neither is Mike Pence. Any other senator who runs would also be in the minority like Tim Scott. You have one currently active executive in the nation running in the GOP who can help shape public policy from his positions Christy Nome may get in. Christy Nome, interestingly, has decided to pick a fight with the transgender lobby in South Dakota after being attacked for being too friendly with it. And Ron DeSantis is now rolling out a criminal justice package to get tough on crime in Florida at a time that voters show crime is a growing issue nationwide, even as Democrats try to pivot on that issue and, and attack Republicans on it. He's looking leaderly. Tim Scott is on the campaign trail. Nikki Haley is. We're about to start seeing people announce they're running for president beyond Donald Trump. And when the hypotheticals become real candidates and the polling shifts, the reaction from the Trump campaign is going to be very interesting. Do they attack any of these declared candidates or do they keep their eye on DeSantis like they've been doing? That'll tell us how Trump sees this race more than what he actually says will tell us how he sees the race. Right now, I want you to go see this amazing deal at EdenPureDeals.com. New code, ERIC. You don't have to put in ERIC anything. It's just going to be ERIC moving forward, whatever the deal is. And this week, this week only, it's buy one, get one offer from EdenPureDeals.com. Do not, do not go to EdenPure.com. Instead, go to EdenPureDeals.com. I get this email all the time. I went there. wasn't anything there. No, it's EdenPureDeals.com, and you will see a discount code box when the site loads, and you put in ERIC, E R. ICK, my name, and this week only, this week only, buy one, get one free. The Eden Beer Thunderstorm Air Purifier. It eliminates bad odors, uh, litter box odors, pet odors, smoke odors, musty odors, you name it. It gets rid of the mildew, the pol- pollen, the dust that's floating in the air, but I use it as an odor eliminator. You can plug it into the wall. You can plug it in with a USB cord. It just works. EdenPureDeals.com is the website. You go and you put Eric, my name in, on the front page of the website, E-R-I-C-K, and this week only, you buy one Eden Pure Thunderstorm, you get a second Eden Pure Thunderstorm for free. EdenPureDeals.com The discount code is Eric, my name. Well, if you did not subscribe to my email, you really missed a barn burner today, I highly recommend You can text the word DATA to 33777 to subscribe to the daily email. Just text DATA, D-A-T-A, to the number 33777. You should be subscribing to my daily email so you can stay more informed. Uh, In addition, as the show launches at noon every day, you get the show notes, All the stuff I intend to talk about, and then some. You can see how much stuff gets left on the cutting room floor as the show goes live because there's just not enough time in the day to get to it all. You'll be more informed than all of your neighbors and everybody in your office if you text data to 33777 and subscribe. Let's see. I got time, Lee. I want to, or Les, I want to go to you. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Eric. Um, I just wanted to say that uh, I voted for Trump twice, enthusiastically, um, but I won't be doing it for a third time, and uh, I'm certainly on board with DeSantis, and he seems to be the most well-prepared to take on Trump and to to fight back against him. Yeah, you know, I just, I, I get in trouble here because I'm friends with a lot of these guys who may be running. Uh, But it just – it seems like if you don't have a massive field of candidates, you consolidate to a handful of them, Uh, it allows the cream to rise to the top quicker, and the GOP can compare and contrast. It's not easy to compare and contrast people when you've got uh, 17 candidates running. By the way, the Republicans – have decided to shake up a little bit how they handle their debates. They're going to put in donation requirements, small dollar donor requirements. So you're gonna have to have X amount of dollars from small or X number of small dollar donors in order to be on campaign stages for debates, which is a great policy, what the Democrats do. it actually makes a lot of sense because if you don't have a wide range of grassroots support, there's no reason having you on stage. Sure, you may have a couple of billionaires in your pocket, uh, but those are only two votes every small dollar donor is a voter. So get those small dollar donors and you can um, get on the debate stage. The question is which of the Republicans will be able to do that, but also how many will there be? Uh, I do tend to think Donald Trump benefits by a very crowded Republican field. And I think it's to his disadvantage to have a small field of highly capable younger candidates who can distinguish themselves from him running on their own record when we come back though the big question is how is the media going to cover this moving forward and we should delve into that in particular because there's an op-ed in the washington post that gives you a hint of where the media is going to go and it's not a good place for any of us who care about a free people and a free press